Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Andy Richter, and you are listening to Andy Richter and the Three Questions. And I am lucky enough to have the wonderful Mayim Bialik on my show today. Hello. Uh, hi there. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. Uh, I'm a little late. I was late. I was at the vein doctor getting a consult for my varicose veins in my leg. If I had a nickel forever. for every time I heard oh, that. Yeah, yeah. That excuse. That old showbiz excuse. <laughs> so, hi. How are you? How's okay. things? Things are How's good. How's unemployment? Well, you know, this is my first time back on the lot. I wasn't sure they were oh, going really? to let, let wow. me in. Yeah, we're, we are actually, we're on the on the Warner Brothers lot Just recording Just footsteps this. away. That's right. From where I lived for nine years, practically. Yeah. Does it, how does that feel? It feels kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, as an actor, you know, we, we like to be employed. Sure. Um, I just literally came uh, straight from cleaning out my mother's bathroom drains. And like, <laughs> it's like, this is what unemployment looks oh, like. There are photos glamour. of that's me. Glamour. Go- like, she's like, the sink won't go down. The tub won't go. And sure enough, but that's why what is I that did your today. Thing? Why is that's that, a great question. You know, why is that your thing? Because <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. And I'm unemployed, so. See, that's that's my kind of, like, that's the shit that I do, yeah. too. I like well, and this fixing is the thing, like, garage right, doors so I actually, like I like being helpful. Yes. I like being helpful to her. I actually don't mind, I'm a get-my-hands-dirty kind of gal. Yeah, yeah. But the number of jokes about, like, what's your hourly rate, ma'am, that she, you know, said, like, I'll send you a, an invoice, ma'am. Like, okay, ma, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Especially when you're— Plenty of time. Yeah, and plenty it's also, it's her dreams. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you're fixing a leaky sink or something. It's gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Oh, And moms. she was even more grossed out than me, which I kind of felt was unfair. Yeah, yeah. Like, ew, I don't want to look. I'm like, oh, you're going to look. Yeah, you're going to look. Considering, I want you to see what you've done. Yeah, this hair came off your body. And she's like, I don't even brush my hair. I'm like, what, what does that even mean? How did it get in there? I, I don't know. I don't even brush my like, that's hair. That's what she said. Well, you know, but she yeah, scrunches it. She human, said, yeah, I, I scrunch it. Humans lose their hair. I had to explain it. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I'm great. Anyway, congratulations Thanks. on your new job as a drain cleaner. Oh, as a rooter, you can call me a plumber. As, as oh, a I, I think I do all plumbing. Yeah, yeah. No, it is, it is, and people are always, it is, I mean, I'm here, here doing it to you, but this thing about, like, you're in show business, you're on TV, why would you do that? But it's like, there's so many things around the house that are, like, 
why I can do this? Why waste time? Yeah, well, it's look, not even the money. It's no, and, that and you have I, to wait to have someone come. Okay, so this there there really are. I mean, there are two kinds of people in a lot of ways, and this is one of them. Yes, like I've known you know couples, meaning people who were you know dating and living together, who were both unemployed actors who hired someone to clean their house. Yeah. Now, look, they may have other ways they're making money, right. but to me, it's kind of like. That I see it as a luxury, mm-hmm. and I know that like progressive people are like, no, we're all working together to make our lives better, and yeah, you're yeah, helping yeah. someone have money, clean your house. But to me, like, no. Yeah, yeah. And also, I don't. I sometimes will empty the dishwasher at like one in the morning or six in the morning, depending on my day. Yeah. So like for me to plan to have a person come in, it's like everything's different every day. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's no laundry because I've done four loads. And sometimes Uh, like I got to do four loads of laundry. Yeah, yeah. I just, I do prefer to do things myself. Yes. And I like to then, you know, have the house as messy as I I don't want to clean my house before someone comes to clean the house. Mm -hmm. And I really would rather spend that money on other things. Really? I really would. So you don't have anybody clean (laughs) your house? Like miniature golf. You don't have anybody clean your house? I clean my house. Wow. I don't always do it well. <laughs> that's cool. No, I think that's really great. But to me, that falls under like things that, like I was raised, you know, my mom was a first generation American and mm-hmm. I was taught to clean. From Israel? Was that? No, uh, my, no, my grandparents are Eastern European. Oh, Eastern European. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was taught to clean. Like it's what we do as women. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like part of our DNA. Got to learn <laughs> to clean with God's, you know, gifts of our DNA that are, you know, that's pr- right. priming us for that's cleaning. That's right. It's uh, some, your ovaries make you clean. <laughs> That's They're, right. They drive you that's, to clean. That's what estrogen's for. Yes, exactly. To make me clean my mother's sink. <laughs> no, I, I I mean, I've often said, yeah, no, I'm very domestic too. And I, um, I've i often said, I've said on this podcast when talking to like fathers, because I didn't have a very present father. Right. Like I didn't have a model for fathering. So I think I just mother. Like I think yeah. I just I just cook and clean and you know sort well, of those are those are I mean those don't have to be gendered things they don't but, but in general yeah, they are for I sure mean, societally they are you yeah know? and I grew up with a dad who was a, a public school teacher which meant he came home every day you know after work at you know four or so which is yeah. earlier than a lot of people's dads came home and you know he was free on the weekends. He would grade papers and stuff, but he was free all summer. However, my mother, who also worked, was responsible for all the cooking, all the cleaning, and pretty much all the childcare. And, you know, my dad was a very old-fashioned guy. You know, both mm-hmm. my parents were born during World War II, and I never saw him in a grocery store <laughs> in wow. my life. I never saw him in the laundry room in my life. Wow. I never saw him do laundry. Maybe he would load the dishwasher he could make a hard-boiled egg for me. Yeah, yeah. He would sometimes like cut up vegetables and make like a, a, a fruit face or, or like yeah, a vegetable yeah. face, and like and and of course, you know, I just saw who's it. I think Nick Kroll do a thing of like if a dad does even the smallest thing, it's like, oh, oh thank oh, you so much. Absolutely. Meanwhile, like my mother did everything, yeah. and it's like, ma, why are you bugging me to make my bed? You know, like we're so mean to moms. Yeah. And meanwhile, my dad like. Picks up, you know, cottage cheese after work one day. And it's like, oh, dad went to the, you know, he picked up cottage cheese. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, That's, yeah. I don't, I, see, because I also, too, I was raised in a house full of women. I just can't, I, I guess I'm just in possession of too much shame to not... <laughs> Cook for my children, or or drive. <laughs> well, my father's them dead, so we can't ask him. Thanks a lot. Where's your shame? Yes. Well, you know what? Uh, my my other podcast is a seance, so we'll 
I'll have you back. Sign me up. <laughs> um, well, now this, uh, we've kind of started already. Uh, you know, the, the, the concept of this podcast is there are three questions that I ask. Where do you come from? Where are you going? And, and what have you learned? So uh, you are a, a native Californian, correct? I am. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an awkward native Californian in that my parents had just moved from New York and raised uh-huh. me like it was New York. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of grew up in the 1940s on a stoop in the Bronx, <laughs> except it was in the middle of Hollywood. Oh, wow. Yeah, very very old school kind of upbringing. Where, now, where where were they born? And what? My parents were born in the Bronx okay. during the war. Oh, okay. Their parents were immigrants from Eastern Europe. I see. Um, so... You know, not to get all heavy and deep, but, you know, I I, I come from a very um, complicated family in that they left Eastern Europe during the series of pogroms sure. that led to the beginning of World War II uh, and the Holocaust. And, you know, my, my story kind of ends a couple generations up. You know, obviously I can do all those fancy DNA tests, but for, in particular, for Jews of Eastern Europe of, of poor means nobody was keeping track yeah. of what we did or where we went or when we were born or when we died. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in some ways, you know, th- the Jews are a wandering people for thousands of years and our history sort of makes it such that we have this collective history in terms of like where I'm from, you know, right. um, and the story of the Old Testament, I consider where I come from. That yeah. Those are the stories that raised generations of people in my line of ethnic and and religious um, inclination. Um, that being said, I don't really feel Eastern European because our culture was always Jewish, no matter what country yeah. we lived in. Well, it, I mean, it's yeah. it's, not- it's notable that you say Eastern European, correct? Whereas most, you know, if in the Christian world, you'd say. I'm Romanian, or uh, you know, or uh, you no, know, so, I, I'm Hungarian. Right? No, when we like, say it, I'm yeah. I am a I am a blend. I'm half Polish. I'm a quarter Hungarian and a quarter Ukrainian. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it this, but it's all but that's sort all, of immaterial well, to cor- the Jewishness. Correct. So yes. as my my grandfather, you know, who was Polish, said that. Of course, they ate foods that were Polish, but more often than not, they had Jewish versions of Polish food that Hungarians also had and that, you know, uh, Greek Jews also had. You know, so there was a lot of overlap, and we have a universal language. Hebrew is the universal language of Jews. I I was raised speaking Yiddish, which is the language of Eastern European Jews. Um, But, you know, we have this kind of weird global identity, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of bonds you together no matter where, you know— where the Cossacks sent you. Right, as exactly. It were. Whether you're so Iraqi I, or correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I I tend to look Eastern European. You know, I'm a, I'm a mutt, as many, you sure. know, Eastern European Ashkenazi Jews are. However, when I was in Rome for the first time, um, they have all these fancy sculptures, and I saw my nose for the first time <laughs> on a sculpture. <laughs> apparently, I have what's called a Roman nose. You do, you do, and absolutely. Eastern European Jews, apparently, many, many moons ago, they say came from Italy. That yeah. that the the migration was from from Italy up. So I kind of like to think that like yeah. there was some Roman Jewish lady. That's awesome. <laughs> or Gentile. And some Jewish dude was Absolutely. like, let's make a baby. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, here we are. Have you done that, uh, the DNA testing <laughs> yeah, stuff? Yeah. I'm like 99.9% like- Ashkenazi Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally said, I'm the most Jewish person anyone knows. <laughs> like, I, people are always like, oh, you're super Jew. And I was like, I literally yeah, am super literally Jew. Are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was maybe, I think maybe like six generations ago, someone from the UK genetically, but it's like, 
who was that poor lady? Right. You know, like, what was her story? Poor man, you know, it could have been, you know. You know, often it was a conquering situation. Yes, of course, of course. Um, no, I know. So, yeah, I did that thing. I didn't do all the, I didn't want to know all the medical stuff. Oh, I see stuff. what you mean. And by poor lady, I understand. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, now. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get uh, it. I didn't do all the medical stuff because I, as a scientist, don't want to know. Oh, yeah, really? But I did the fun stuff, like, more likely to have restless legs. That's me. I have restless legs. (laughs) Or like the photo sneeze response. Like, I have that. Uh, Yeah. One of my kids has it and the other doesn't. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Super Jew. Thank you. Uh, yeah, like mine is like I like my I like to say like when you know somebody's like, did you take that test? I'm like, yeah, and, and my answer is, I'm from Europe because it's, <laughs> right. like, it's like all you're that you're I'm white. Just, I'm just congratulations. White. I'm just, all the different flavors of white <laughs> blended together. That's right. All the oppression form, and yeah, colonialism. Yeah. Just. Absolutely, I am eight different kinds of vanilla. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you were born in San Diego? I was. My grandparents happened to be living there. My parents had nowhere to live, so they yeah. were living in my grandparents' what, living room. What brought the, the, oh, so it was the grandparents that brought them to L.A.? Or? We're not really sure. Oh, really? Like, it sound, my, my parents were documentary filmmakers and public school teachers, and they I were see. part of the civil rights movement. Yeah. They had sit-ins to allow black students into the New York public school system. That's how things were yeah. um, when they were young teachers. And they were also making documentary films, anti-Vietnam films. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had made some films for American Dream Machine. They had won an award at Lincoln Film Festival in 1972. So they had that life, but financially that was not kind of paying the bills. Yeah. And they were public. I, don't think, I think it still doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. They were public school teachers in, in the Bronx and in Harlem. But um, the story is my mother said to my father, I think if I have to put this child in one more effing snowsuit, I'm going to lose my mind. That would be my <laughs> older brother. And so he was three when yeah. they moved. And um, yeah, I think it sounds like maybe a parent fight. But no one's ever told me. But yeah, it sounds yeah. like they maybe got into a fight. Because she got on a plane with my brother, really pregnant, and my dad drove cross-country. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, she went to her parents. Again, yeah. it's not sounding like this is a plan. Yeah. And they were living in my grandparents' living room when I was born. Wow. And then we moved up to L.A. And again, there was not really a plan. They were very bohemian. I mean, this was sure. a thing. And we lived in someone else's living room wow. up in Laurel Canyon off Kirkwood, like wow. the street that I drive by almost every day. And then we got our first apartment. Uh, I grew up across from Fairfax High. Oh, wow. For the first years of my life. Then we lived behind the Hollywood Bowl in kind of like a hippie commune. And then like Melrose Fairfax is kind of where I spent, you know, 5 to 15. Right, right. The the real, the the seminal years of my life were were right off Melrose. There used to be a strip club there. Then it was a Johnny Rockets. I don't know what it is now, but it was the heyday of the punk era. It was an amazing time, you know, to to live off Melrose. But you didn't go to school there. You didn't go to high school. I was a product of the busing system of the 70s and 80s. So oh, really? I was actually bused to um, schools in the Valley. Oh, wow. Yeah, for elementary but, school. W- and were you for, on TV at that point? No. So I, I started on Blossom when I was 14, oh, okay. which was almost high school. Yeah. Um, I started acting when I was just entering middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, Beaches, I was 12. It came out when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, in the midst of that awkward, terrible time of your life and, and being uh, on television sure didn't make it any better, oh, let boy. me tell you, because Eastern I have, European mutt in middle school was and also more too, awkward than it is now. Just having, having children like, and see, you know, I have a, a 13-year-old daughter and just, you know, just I was at school for end of year chapel and the, just that age, like 
kids are so like, yeah. just like, you know, like, especially the boys, like their ears and nose grow. <laughs> and then, and then like the rest of the face takes a, a yeah, year to catch up. You know, it's just. Puberty's not kind. It sure isn't. It's really not. It sure isn't. Yeah. But, now, were you motiv- the motivator in terms of being an actor? Yeah. I liked school plays was yeah. literally my story. My dad happened to be a drama teacher, but he, he had no love for the industry, you know, cause he sure. had, had like, he had his documentary experience turned him off enough, you know, yeah, yeah. like where they would, he was being too political. He didn't like working with producers. So like they weren't that interested in that. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved school plays. I really thrived. You know, um, if you want to hide, find a stage. Blues Traveler says that. You know, uh-huh. it's a great place to hide. And yeah. it's a great place to be seen in ways that you can control. And it's a great way to elicit emotion that gives you positive feedback. You know, mm-hmm. like, I made you laugh. I made you cry sometimes. Yes. Um, so I loved school plays. And I was like, I hear that there are kids who are actors. Like, I want to do that. And um, back then, there was no internet. You know, my parents literally opened up a Yellow Pages. My mother had just stopped the job that she was working at. She was the nursery school director at the synagogue that, that I grew up at. And she uh, took out a Yellow Pages and looked up like, agents child, or, child yeah, agents. Yeah, like, yeah. that was a thing you did. And they took a picture of me and typed a letter on a typewriter, because people still did that. Sure. Sent it to, like, nine agents, and three wanted to meet with me. And uh, I signed with an agent. Had no luck in the world of, like, like commercials and things, because... Back then, in 1986, you had to have small features if you wanted to uh-huh. be an all-American kid. Yeah, yeah. So I actually had I kind of felt discouraged. I was like, I don't look like any of these kids. Nobody looked like me. I was certain of that. Bette Midler looked like me and Barbara Streisand, but that yeah, wasn't really yeah. helping. Um, and then well, it she, did help eventually. A year later, yeah, yeah. a year later, I was cast to play the young Bette Midler, which like I never really saw it, and that's just like how I talked. You know, like my parents raised me to talk like I was from Jersey. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that came out when I was thirteen. Yeah, but your dad didn't have any qualms, even though he was sort of oh, anti biz. Yeah, yeah, no, he was very cynical about it. Yeah, and it's like you know when my parents would say goodnight to me, he was like, "This could all go away tomorrow. <laughs> Sleep well." He's I, you know what I like him. Yeah, he was, I like. He I mean, was, I, I wish he'd done more work around the house. <laughs> But I like I like the perspective he gave you. No, he was very like, you know, he was like, my dad also, my dad grew up, he went to school with Al Pacino. Yeah. And they went to the same middle school. They had the same drama teacher. And like, I grew up like that. I grew yeah, up like with yeah. Scorsese hey. and Pacino in my house. Like, yeah, 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 like deep Bronx, yes. like very hardcore. I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but it was very like, hey, girl, you got to toughen up, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I remember the first time I was very athletic and he was very athletic. And, you know, the first time I got hit with a football in the chess department, which is different, he's like, walk it off, take it like a man. I was like, oh, okay, this is how we roll. Yeah, got easy it. for him to yeah, say. Yeah, got it. Yeah. You, yeah but yeah, he yeah. Was, so it was kind of like having, you know, like a Pacino type as your dad. Right, he was like, right. it's going to all disappear. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I like that because, like, my. <laughs> You know, having, you know, my daughter goes to school with kids that are work, you know, that, mm-hmm. that are in, in the business. And and she's actually a very good actor. And I say that, you know, I know I'm biased and everything. But sure. she's really, she's really, has, she's a right. really talented performer. And she at one point was saying to me, like, I wouldn't wouldn't mind. Yeah. I said, I won't let you. Yeah, I'm I w- with you. I will not let I'll, you. My, my, I have a 13-year-old, yeah. and he really, really shines on stage. He and his brother both really love Shakespeare. They mm-hmm. take a Shakespeare class, and they just love it. And um, But my older one in particular, he's very charismatic, and he's super outgoing. And, How old um, is he? He's 13. He's 13. We he's should the have them one. meet. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said, I was like, yeah, that that's a lifestyle decision that is not going to work for our life. I mm-hmm. said, and in addition— 
there are many ways that I want you to explore the wonderful art of theater yes. and, and performance. Yes. But competing with other children who have been groomed from the age of two mm-hmm. to trip you on the way yeah. <laughs> you know, out the door, that's not going to happen. And I just, you know, I said it's an adult world. It's an adult business. There are some people who really want their kids to do that. I did it. And, you know, it was not easy. It was not, it's, yeah. it's not an easy road. And it is about being rejected. I can't handle it as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like I told her, well, because she asked me a few times, and then she finally kind of like was really like, "Why can't I?" And I said, "I said because you will be surrounded by people who want you to think that they love you yep. and that they are your friends or your family, yes. when what they really want to do is make money. Correct from your work." And I said, "And also, I need you to give me that speech now." <laughs> I was like, and I said, "You will be surrounded by people." Who judge the way you look. Especially as a girl. They judge your body. They judge your voice. They judge, you will just be judged well, and, by strangers. And, and I don't want you to go through that. And also what I've said to, to both of my kids is that children in the industry, their purpose is to be obedient. Yes. And the natural state of a child is to explore mm-hmm. and to test limits and to learn. But when you have people rewarding you for being obedient... You do not have the freedom to be grumpy when you want to be grumpy, mm-hmm. to need to go potty when you need to go potty, mm-hmm. to take as long as you need to go potty. Like yeah. all those things that are just part of normal childhood yeah. get taken away when you become part of a capitalist machine. Yes, you know, and absolutely. when when efficiency is the goal and making money is the goal, and you know, and that's the thing my dad would tell me, like this business will use you up like a tissue. Absolutely. They will, and they will throw you out when yep. they're done with you. Yep. And you and I have both. Like, we've been in so many different aspects of the business. Yep. You get to see that it's really the same in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Can you make the money? Can you do it quickly and efficiently? Mm-hmm. Nobody has time for you to take a long time go Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and also, too, yeah, they genuinely care about you. Yeah, they genuinely, in many cases, love you. However... The money comes first. Correct. The money comes first. Yeah. And I told her, and I she also, because she, she brought up the money, and I said, if you want to make money, I said, when you turn 16, you can get a job at the mm-hmm. grocery store. <laughs> you can flip burgers. Yeah. You do not need to make money I doing see this. a reality show where we switch 13-year-olds, <laughs> and I get to deal with your daughter, and you get to deal with All right. Uh, uh, that sounds fine. I Beat him up a little listen, bit. Uh, listen, <laughs> I had a 13-year-old son. He's 18 now, and I would trade just for a little while yeah. because the boy is a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, that is yeah. I mean there was there was some oppositional stuff when he was 13 but it's nothing like it is with her. That's what I'm told. Oh. And I mean and I don't even get the half of it. Sure. It's the things that she's the the casual cruelty she's shown <laughs> towards my wife what is, is jaw dropping. What does Louis CK say? You know, boys will break your things, Besides, girls will break your soul. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? So then all of a sudden you're number one on the call sheet of a sitcom. <laughs> Correct. How is that? I can't tell if that was a put down. No. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, well, I mean, it is like, no, what I mean, it is, it is a much, a very yin and yang kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's a. No, it's my a, life changed significantly overnight in ways that I had not anticipated and was not prepared for. Yeah. Um, I was very, very fortunate working with Don Rio, who created Blossom, and I was part of the Whit Thomas machine, the Paul Whit Tony Thomas machine. They did Golden Girls and Empty Nest and Nurses and Soap, you know. Yeah. Um, And it was. I know, but the people out there, well, you know, the young millennials that are listening to this, the Chillins should Google Soap um, or Richard Mulligan. you know, it was a it was a wonderful company to work for, and it was a clean set, and I never saw drugs, and I, you know, it it was really, really, it was a very positive experience. Um, it was crazy being a teenager on television yeah. because I didn't grow up in the industry. And Joey Lawrence and Jenna Von Oy, he played, you know, my younger brother, mm-hmm. and and Jenna Von Oy, who played Six. Um, you know, they had been raised in the industry. They knew how, you know, to have all those interactions with people. Like I wasn't used to that, so I was really learning. You know, learning on the job. Um, and you know, it was, it was a, a, a wonderful experience, but you know, people don't really remember what it was like then there was no internet. There were only four TV stations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was no publicity machine. Nobody cared if I had false lashes, you know, or like if my breasts were in the right like place for, you know, for the fashion that's now being thrust upon 14 year old girls. Yeah. I was a kid, you know, I was yeah. really a kid and I was a teenager and it was sweet and good. And, you know, we were a top 20, top 25 show when we could be. We were a primetime show. We were not Punky Brewster with no insult to afternoon shows, but we were a family show that yeah. was on against Monday Night Football and we held our own for five years years. We jumped the shark many times, you know, Mm -hmm. towards the end. And that's what happens. And when the show ended, I was 19. I was ready to go to college. Like I was ready to not be judged by the outside and use some of my inside, you know, self. So um, I went to college and I was away from the industry for 12 years, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, did you know exactly what you wanted to study when you went to college? Because you have a PhD. I have a PhD in neuroscience. I fell in love with. Suck on that, everybody. (laughs) I fell in love with biology when I was 15. I was never a science or math person. Mm -hmm. And I had this amazing tutor. She was an undergrad at the time at UCLA and she was my tutor on the set and I fell in love with biology and she gave me not only the the skill set but the confidence to believe that like I could study science mm-hmm. and I that's what I wanted to do and that's what I did so I studied neuroscience as my undergraduate degree I did a minor in Hebrew and Jewish studies mm-hmm. which kept my GPA up and therefore my morale because <laughs> science was still really hard yeah, for me I was absolutely. a late bloomer yeah, sure um, so I did my undergrad for five years and then I went on to direct to the graduate program the PhD 
program at UCLA. I got married. I had my first son in grad school. I, yeah, and that's crazy. And then my crazy second son right after. So it was a big just, 12 years. That must that Having a child while in grad school must it, have just been. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously men have, you know, we know that men suffer and they have to also think about when to have children. Sure. But for women, it's a very different set of decisions. Of because you physically, you know, you at least need to leave to, to crank that watermelon out of the garden hose, yeah. as it were. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I basically finished my, my curriculum, my classwork, and then had a child when I was in data collection and literally wrote my thesis, breastfeeding, laying down, and typing with one hand. Wow. So that was what it was like. He's a total nerd, so it worked. You yeah, know, yeah. that environment worked. And then um, I knew that I wanted to be home with my kids, which is not a popular choice for women in science, mm-hmm. but um, I knew that I would rather raise them than pay someone else to raise them yep. while I was teaching someone else's children. And that is not the right decision. That was the right decision for me and for for my ex, for Mike. We were married at the time. Um, that was the decision we made. So I got pregnant the week I filed my thesis mm-hmm. with my second child. That's our Mazel Tov baby. And he's the one who's now 10. And yeah. he's also a nerd. So we did pretty good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Shakespeare nerds. Oh, man. That's and honestly. You're, they're I really don't hobbled. like Shakespeare. I don't and this either. This is a problem because people see like, oh, celebrity mom, that must be where they get it. And I'm like, no, it's my ex-husband is actually the theater person and yeah. the Shakespeare lover. I can't. I try and practice with that. I, it's like breaking my teeth, and they're like, "Mom," I'm like, I, "This makes no sense to me. Can we just make it in words that make sense?" I had it. <laughs> I had it. I, I mean, it, it was probably maybe 20 years ago. I saw. Ian McKellen and some, Richard the something sir. or other. Yeah, There's always yeah. a sir involved. And, and it was like one of those ones where it's all jazzed up with oh, like yeah. kind of, you know, it yeah. sort of looks fascist. and Shakespeare works in any time era. It's like, no, it doesn't. And I just and I, and I I just had this feeling sitting and watching that. And I thought like, I don't ever have to go to another Shakespeare play again <laughs> in my life. Unless you have children who yes, do Shakespeare. Yes, that's true. Then you but drink heavily like, before yeah, yeah. the show. No, and I'm I did break kidding. that because I did see Shakespeare in the park. I did see uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay, so that I I, that's the thing. Like I that like was that a story. More fun, yeah. But why, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen just this summer. I've seen Comedy of Errors. Taming of the Shrew, which I thought was about a rodent. I thought, I swear (laughs) to God, I thought it was about, I'm like, isn't that a rodent? My kid's like, no, 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 it's a thing. And like, it's about misogyny. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't have a good ending. Yeah, yeah, it sure doesn't. They show her. Yeah, yeah. They learn her right. She knuckles, they knuckles under. Yeah, Yeah. that was. You must submit. They try and give it like a positive, like a feminist thing. Like she's in on it. She's like, "Mm, it's not good. No, no, no. It's not good. No. Anyway. And you know that yeah, the stories are great, but I can't understand. I can't those either. Words. I get so bored. I get oh. so bored. Oh, I'm a terrible mom. I'm a te- well, and I'm a, just a terrible actor, like in terms of like theater and all of that kind yes. of stuff. I just don't care no. about theater. I and first fact, saw you. Yeah, on I know. the stage, That's though. True. That's I respected true. you greatly we as a knew. theater now, actor. Was that, was that after Blossom? I can't no, remember. No, that was, that was during. It was during Blossom. Was yeah, during. I was part of a show called The Real Live Brady Bunch. I came and saw you tw- 29 times. Something like that. I know you were times. a very you were very much I was your, a regular. I was, yeah. I was the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. You and, and Ricky Lake was another Ricky, one. And right. Ricky well, she ended up Tom actually, That's yeah, right. she actually mm-hmm. ended up dating a, one of the cast members. Yeah. But there was a game show that preceded it to fill out the entire show, but then the rest of it was just it was amazing it was, was just can i please sure it was 
They took was, Brady Bunch scripts yeah. verbatim yeah. and performed them, but each character was as distinctive, you know, as they could be, yes. meaning given. But they would also, you would do commercials, like, mm-hmm. from the era. It was insane. It was so much fun. And it was, I mean, the Soloway sister, like, it was yep. so much fun. And I saw Jane Lynch. I mean, I saw a lot of people come Absolutely. through there. Yeah. Um, who then went on to marry famous people and, uh. you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> but it was it was wonderful theater. And um, it was just, it was great. It was so great. Thank you. Thank you. No, You're it welcome. was it was really fun. And it was, you know, it got me out of Chicago and in the front of people and yeah. started, you know, a career for me. So, yeah. But no, it was, and you were, it was always so much fun to have you around, you know, I mean, because it wasn't like, like, you know, different sort of quote unquote famous people, celebrities would come, but like. You were like the one that was like. No, well, you I was were a like, teenager though. You I mean, were a like, teenager. But, I was young, but it was, but you were also just like so sweet and nice, Thank and it was you. like it was. Well, I was I was a I was a quirky teenager. Like yeah, I was yeah. like a, I was kind of like a Daria personality before there was Daria. Yeah, so yeah. like I liked theater and dark things, and yeah. you know I, I. But you also too were very grown up. You, Thank you. you even at that age, you That's were very. That's because of my grown crappy up. childhood. Yeah, You're yeah, welcome. No, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, when they force you to grow up, we mature pretty quickly. Yeah, that's right. When they drag the childhood out of you. <laughs> and force you, force you into the hot seat. So, uh, yeah, but I like theater stuff. I just, you know. No, I liked school plays, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I And then also everybody's like, are you going to major in theater? The theater department at any school would, like, chew me up and spit me oh. out. Because I have no formal, tra- I've never had training me as an neither. actor. Yeah, yeah. So I I took one don't... class in college and I hated oh, it. Oh, even the so thought dumb. of it. Yeah, even the thought of it makes me cry. And yeah. I know a lot of actors I dated one for many years who are part of like a theater group, like a tribe, you know, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, go yeah. every week and they, they they got the guru kind of teacher. And like the thought of it is like, I would love to like do an Ibsen play. Sure. Like there's material that I love, but the thought of like having to go up in front of these people and they're going to criticize, I would cry. I would yes, cry. Yes, yes, yes. It would yes. be terrible for me. I find too, quite often in, a, in live theater, I, I have this tremendous feeling of embarrassment that like somebody is, I'm in the same room with somebody that's just like, they're crying. Yeah. <laughs> they're like fake crying or they're like, or like, oh my God, they're just yelling. And yeah. it just is well, like, that's, it's awkward. Well, that's, you know? And also like, that's kind of, I sometimes, a part of it for me is part of my, my OCD, which is part of my charm. Um, kind of the inability. So says to, you. Well, but, but. <laughs> Kind of the the inability to be completely immersed. Like, I always have this sort of, like, perspective, like, oh, my gosh, I'm standing on a stage. I'm talking to, what if I took off all my clothes right now for no reason, you know? (laughs) Which is, like, something only people with OCD actually have that very specific fear. Like, what if I run off the stage? Said every curse word I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will have full-on conversations with myself while performing. Like, even Big Bang, which was a lot like theater in that we were in front of an audience and, you know, it's live for that take. Um, But sometimes I would be having, like, whole conversations in my head, like, I hope I don't slip in these shoes. Like, but while delivering lines and having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, that kind of split ability is part of the insanity of being this kind of artist, you know, being an actor like that. Yeah. But there are people who can totally be immersed and in the moment. Yeah, no, that's kind of hard for me. No, Very self-conscious. I've had arguments with actors too where I've said you know acting is lying 
because mm-hmm. it is. It's lying, uh, yep. you know, uh, and they'll be like, no, it's really about the truth. Like, no, no it's not. It's no. about con- being convincing someone something that's not true, which Correct. is that well, and you're not a pirate, right. you know, <laughs> you're, you know, says you. Yeah. Um, no, but there, there's been some some really interesting studies, um, brain imaging studies of actors um, while while we perform, we generate the same emotions like the brain looks fundamentally very, very similar to what it looks like when you actually have oh, wow. those emotions, which I think is fascinating. That is amazing. And when you think of people who can cry on cue and, you know, who can, you know, when you think of those, like, methody actors, you know sure. who they are, we don't need to list them. You know, they are producing something, though, that is so close, yeah. right? Physiologically and all those things that that's why it works, you it's know? It's almost like a guru thing, like uh, being able to slow down your heart. Right. You know, like to, right. to or, manifest you know, that change with, in your brain. Right, people with dissociative identity disorder, which we used to call multiple personality, you can see different physiological things in each of the personalities, different blood pressure, different heart rate. So it, it's it's very interesting. It's that as actors, we do. We dissociate that way yeah, to yeah. create, you know, this character. Yeah. Now, after you, got, after you got your PhD, you decided to stay home. I mean, did you have – were you going to be home with your kids forever? Were you going mean, to – no, I mean, did you, what was, what was yeah, your game well, no, plan the, at that the, point? Because you were sort of out of show business. No, I was out of show business. Um, and my, my then husband, he was finishing his master's in um, political theory. And, yeah, I had a, a newborn and I had a toddler. I was teaching neuroscience. I taught in the homeschool community. Oh, wow. Yeah, I taught junior high and high school neuroscience and biology and a little bit of chemistry. I was tutoring Hebrew. I was tutoring piano. I was doing everything I could to make ends meet. Wow. I mean, we, you know, people didn't make money like they used to. Money yeah. doesn't last like people think it does. And, um, yeah, I was I was a, a family running out of health insurance oh, wow. is why I went back to acting. Wow. Um, I, I needed to get my SAG insurance back because I had an infant and I had a toddler. And that's that's the God's honest truth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, I missed acting, but I enjoyed no one caring what I looked like sure. or how you know stringy and hippy dippy my hair was or if my clothes fit or any of that stuff. So um, you know, I didn't reluctantly re-enter the industry. I mean, I love performing. I mm-hmm. love making other people happy with my performance. I'm yeah. that kind of actor. Yeah. I didn't miss fame. I didn't miss money. I didn't miss people telling me I'm awesome because I don't believe it anyway. Mm-hmm. But I missed. I did miss that interaction between an act, you know, between a performer and a director, you know, and between yeah. that whole thing. Um, so yeah, I had never heard of the Big Bang Theory when I was called into audition for it. But like, I did a couple roles. I did like an episode of Bones where I didn't even have a name. It was like Lady Number Two. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I did like uh, an episode of Saving Grace. Like, I just did whatever. Yeah. Um, most casting directors were too young to even know or care who I was. Yeah. And I have no problem auditioning. Like, yeah. last time you saw me, I was nineteen and I was on a sitcom. Like, right. totally, I'll audition. And then I was called in for the Big Bang Theory. I'd never heard of it. I mean, I, I had heard of it in its first season because I was told I was mentioned on it. And I was like, oh, it must be a game show. Like, I had no idea. Wow. So, um, did I, you, to get back in, did you have, go back to your old agent? No, How'd- nobody wanted me. So I actually, <laughs> um, I had a writing project at, at a, um, at a management company and I literally, I was like eight months pregnant with my second kid. I was working with a friend on a writing project and I said to her rep, do you think anybody would be interested in talking to me about repping me? And I was thinking no one's going to be interested. And like a couple of days later, I get this email that 
Tiffany Kuzon wants to talk to you about repping you. And I'm like, Tiffany Kuzon? We were friends in high school. This was a friend I had at the wow. end of Blossom. And nobody keeps in touch because there were no phones then. I mean, yeah. I mean there were no cell phones. There was no internet. Right. We, no she Facebook. Went, we yeah. were friends. We met at the gym. And we, would hang, we hung out for years during the end of Blossom. She had just moved from Connecticut. She worked at UTA. And she apparently now was a talent rep. And wanted to rep me. So she took me on eight months pregnant. That was almost 11 years ago. And it's like having a manager who you also know and like have stayed in her parents' house. And it's really cool. That's great. It's good. I mean, it's not, I mean, we obviously do things socially, but not so much that it makes being business, you know, partners difficult. But yeah, so she took me back on. And then, um, yeah, she's been my manager since. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's always nice to hire people you like I have to have relationships yeah, with yeah. people that I work with I just and I could never have had like yeah showbiz asshole well, and, that's gonna no be. and then you're working for both of your happiness in life you know yeah. like I'm invested in her because we were friends for you you know like I want her to succeed I want yeah. us to do things together that make her life good you know and that mm-hmm. feels really good life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Now, because um, we, we do have limited time, so I want to uh, get to the next step. Okay. I feel like you get where I came from. Absolutely. It's a mess. Yeah. Look at Wikipedia if you really want to know. <laughs> what like what's what's next for you now? I mean, are you gonna go back to neuroscience or no. is, yeah. well I, okay, so I shouldn't say no. I, yeah, you shouldn't say I no. I shouldn't say no. So I, I think I'm too much of a distraction to be like, I would like to teach at the local community college, you know? Like, yeah, that's silly. And yeah. I don't think that's where I'm best utilized. Especially from being on that show. Yeah, that big you know? show that yeah, people yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, um, But I actually just um, started teaching a neuroscience seminar for 10 homeschoolers. Wow. Um, two of them are my kids. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I'm a person who really needs structure. So literally, as Big Bang was winding down, I was like, I'm going to design a neuroscience curriculum, and I'm going to teach my children and eight of their friends, and that's what we're doing. So that's are like, your kids homeschooled? My kids are homeschooled, uh-huh. so um, so I'm I'm doing that in terms of neuroscience. I obviously yeah. do a lot of public speaking and things about science and putting a female face on sciences mm-hmm. and STEM and all those things. Um, but no, I'm um, trying to see sort of acting wise what my next gig is. Um, I wrote a screenplay that I plan to direct, which sounds so nice. vanity and no, so no, like, no. Eh, and I hate it. No, it, listen, it's, no, but it's, 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 it's based on a lot of, it's based on a lot of things that happened to me. Yeah. Um, so it feels a little bit less gratuitous because it's kind of like, well, am I going to meet some like first time director and be like, all right, so this is what it looked like when I walked over here, you know? So, and, and I have, I've directed a short and like, I, I, you know, I've grown up 
learning and loving yes. the mechanics of our industry. Absolutely. I'm not just a person who like wants to like walk on the stage and like say my lines and go to my yeah, dressing. Yeah. I'm like I'm really interested in yes. the practicalities of our industry. So um, I don't want to be like I'd like to direct, but I have to say when I filmed my short, I filmed it in 35 millimeter also, which was like a kind of a tribute to my parents and their documentary, yeah. you know, history. I was like, oh, I like this a lot. Yeah, I like wearing a baseball hat. And not having to care about what I look like. And I want to live and breathe the script that I wrote. And then I want to be so tired at night that I don't even have time to be stressed or depressed. I want to take a bath and go over the shots and go to bed. I was like, this feels good. So that's a a plan to try and do that. We're looking for investors now. And, like, that's a whole process. Yeah. you know, th- there may be a home for me in sitcom. I'm told that that's where I make people the most money, so yeah. let's do that. <laughs> um, but I have no active, you know, I, I I don't. Everything's really up in the air right now, yeah. and that's really hard for me, just as a person, not so much as, like, an actor. Um, I do have to work again. I do not make as much money as people think. Yeah, um, no, and, I, know, I know how it is. You know, I, I'm a person who does. I, I need to pay the mortgage, and I need to pay health insurance and support my kids and— um, you know, all those things. So um, I, I want to work again and also need to work again. And yeah. that's okay. Um, I would love for like the Coen brothers to be like, Mayan, we've been waiting for you to be done with that show so we can cast you in our next right, film. Right, right. As the um, murderous. It, yeah, I mean, like I, there are many directors who I feel like I could be your muse. You just got to look harder. That's right. You know, like um, I'm not going to get those leading lady roles in all those films that, you know, those those rom-coms, mm-hmm. you know, that's not me. It wasn't me when I was 11. It's not going to be me now. Um, but and also, I'm, quite frankly, those are kind of boring. Yeah, but but also, like, there's, you know, the world has changed so much that, like, indie's becoming mainstream. And, like, so for those of us who used to have, like, a niche thing, you know, like, when Zoe Deschanel was actually in indies, you know, yes. and like that niche thing has kind of become more mainstream, which is a little bit hard for kind of, you know, the quirky girls mm-hmm. among us. So I'm, I'm really open to kind of seeing what the industry wants from me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've written books. There may be other books that I write, but I, I don't know. I, I do. I have a YouTube channel with 760,000, you know, subscribers. And that's something I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. I speak about, you know, everything from like divorce to veganism to Big Bang Theory to women's issues. And um, that's really been an interesting project of mine. And that's still something I do. Mm -hmm. There is an audience of people who want to listen to me talk. I don't get it. (laughs) Um, My kids are like, why do people want to listen? I don't know, kids, but they do. So hush up, you know. So so yeah, so I work on my YouTube channel. And um, I have a website, Grok Nation, and we now put it out as a newsletter letter. And that's a place where I still get to write because I do love writing and I still do that. Um, Take it easy. Jesus Christ is a lot of shit. But, but honestly, like, you know, I don't have a place I go every day. So like, I just, I came from Taekwondo and like, I get to do, (laughs) no, but I get to do fun things like this, that it was always like, when am I going to have the time? You know, but it's a lot of just catching up on doctor's appointments. Let's be honest. You know, like that's what happens when you get off. It's like, okay, I got to go to the dentist and oh my God, my thyroid needs to be checked out. I haven't seen that, you know. Cleaning your mother's drain. Correct. So where am I going? I don't know. I actually, um, I, I've, Taken on two, it's going to make me sound like a big nerd, bigger nerd than I am. Um, there's a couple groups that I study with, um, like tech study, Jewish study, like Talmud, philosophy. It's mm-hmm. philosophy. Like, think right. of it like that. Like, right, don't right, think right. of it as like, she's a crazy God freak. Um, it's philosophy. It's philosophy and it's psychology. So I have two groups that I study with. And like, that's something that like, now I have time to do that. Yeah. I can carve out, you know, that hour a week to be like, we're going to study together. And it's as nerdy as it sounds. Yeah. It's like, we get on the phone and you go through a text and you analyze what it means and how it 
it applies to modern life and what's the history around it. And like, it's nerdy, but that's what I like to do. And I'm glad to be doing that. And I think also like being able to have more time for like the things that move me Jewishly is very important to me. Mm -hmm. Like turning off my phone for 25 hours a week on the Sabbath is like the greatest gift. I, it's like, yeah. it's the best thing ever. I'm sorry. Even if you're not a religious person, no, sh that uh, listen, true I would, powering down, I would there's nothing like it. <laughs> I don't believe in God, but I would convert just to-, to Many have, Jews don't to, believe in God. You're in good company. <laughs> just to have that. Uh, no, it's a fantastic rest. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Well, uh, we're, we're clo very close to you needing to leave. <laughs> I mean, you're so scheduled out. Well, You've got I, Taekwondo podcast, and then what are you going to go, go like therapy. deliver a baby? No, no not <laughs> therapy. No, I'm going to go. You can deliver a brain a brain baby, <laughs> a new feeling. Yeah. So, uh, well, there's the then there's the third question. What have you learned? I oh, mean, what man. do you what do you think? What do you think the 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 point of Mayan Bialik's life is? Well. I mean that—that's a separate question. To be quite honest, you know there are things no, that I've isn't. learned. Okay, so I asked. You want that one? Um, What's the point of my life? Uh, yeah, or yeah. What have I learned? Because I've learned a lot of things that have contributed to, to the finding out what the life. point of my life is. Um, well, answer whatever you yeah, want. Yeah. Okay, what do fine. I care? <laughs> <laughs> you can just leave. I'll finish up. I'll, I'll lock the door on the way out. Um, you know, I've learned that. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of the things that sound very cliche. You mm -hmm. know, I've learned that um, I just got emotional. It's an emotional question. Oh, they're, wow. they're not gonna. They're not gonna put. You know, on my tombstone how hard I worked yeah. and how much money I made Richard White's, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not what I'm going to be known for. Yeah. Like, that's what I've learned, that that is the truest thing ever, that having um, people who love you truly and deeply and loving people truly and deeply and authentically is far more valuable than anything. It's the only thing. It really is. and thing. And... And, and sort of like the corollary to that is everything that you have to do to become a person who believes you're deserving and worthy of love, that's the other things you have to learn. Yeah. And that's the journey of my life. Yeah. That means therapy. It means finally learning to meditate because I don't want to have acid reflux and be put on all these medications, right? Yeah, yeah. Because what ails me is my brain, you know? Yeah. And learning to slow down my thinking, learning to slow down my body, like... I did cognitive behavioral therapy work for a year to learn what it feels like when I get anxious because I just push through it and then it just keeps building, right? Yeah, yeah. So like those are all the things I've had to learn, yeah. you know, so that I can become a person who can give love, right? Mm -hmm. And to also to love my children the way I want to, to not be a parent who screams at them yeah. and to not be a parent who uses force against them or makes them scared of me as a way to discipline yeah. them, right? Those are the things I had to learn to earn that love, yes. right? Um, and I've made many mistakes for which I feel like they're going to make me pay my whole life, you know, because that's also part of what you learn. Yeah. I mess up all the time. Yeah. I mess up all the time. And anytime you think you've got it figured out is exactly when it's not figured out. Right. That's well, it. And I, and I always say with my advice to parents when they ask me is learn to apologize to your children oh when my you gosh. make a mistake. Absolutely. I don't feel I start like every day apologizing. <laughs> I'm going to mess up royally today because I've never been your mom at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. That's. I actually had to confess that to my son just recently. I was like, by the way. <laughs> 
everything we did with you, you, it was the first time. Well, and even the second time, you've never had to do it knowing that you had an older one. And that's what I say to them. I'm like, everybody's crying in the car and I don't know how to make us all stop. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, can I feed it? That's probably not a good idea, right? Right. Uh, Like that's, those are the things, again, that I learn to find out, you know, what comes next. Yeah. Well, this has been a delight. You're a delight. Oh, thank you. And I'm such a fan of yours oh, for so many you years. So much. I mean, thank we you, all are you. in my house. Thank you. So, thank you. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, this has really been fun, and good luck to you. And you're an amazing person. You truly thank are. You. Thank um, you. No, I mean, just wow. <laughs> <laughs> As Shakespeare would say, hey, wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you all of you for listening uh, to this edition of The Three Questions with Andy Richter. We will be back and asking somebody more of the same bullshit uh, later. Somebody else the same bullshit later. Okay, bye. <laughs> the Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.